Well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> so good to <clears throat> let's go ahead and clear this up as we get started. How about that, right? <laughs> wow. So, um, I guess I sang a little bit too much <clears throat> during worship. So, um, <clears throat> good morning, everyone. So good to have all of you, uh, Bluntstown and Shipley and Mariana, as we are in our last week of our series, Take Your Life Back. And we started the series three weeks ago. We talked about a comparison of something that we have in common with camels. And we said it wasn't our looks, but no, camels are known for their extraordinary strength, stamina, and resilience. But their strength, stamina, and resilience are also their Achilles heel. See, as we've said, a camel can walk thousands of miles with seemingly endless endurance, and then suddenly, without warning, they collapse and they die. Because it has no way to tell when its reserves are depleted. Now, here's how we are similar, and this is why this is so important for us as we are finishing up this series. We often get so caught up in surviving the madness of the modern world that we don't realize that our souls are depleted as well. In fact, as John Eldridge says, and we've been looking at this each week to remind us, is that human souls have an Achilles heel too. We have an astonishing capacity to rally in the face of calamity and duress. We rally and rally and rally, and then one day we discover there's nothing left. Our soul simply says, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore as we collapse into discouragement, depression, or just blankness or numbness of soul. And you don't want to push your soul to that point, but everything about the hour we're living in is pushing our souls to that point. And this morning, we're going to even discover that even more, that all of us feel this point that where our souls are just being pushed to the point of collapse. And the truth is, most of us, as we've said, we just want to take our lives back. We, we just wish life that could be, could be good again and it could stay good again. And as we sang this morning, we wish we could say, it is well with my soul. It is so well with my soul. I know that my soul is fueled and filled with the Spirit of God. I'm living in that deep life uh, that Jesus invites me into. And no matter what's going around me, I know it is going to be well because it is well with my soul. That is the anchor of my life. So to begin that conversation to help you understand how do we experience a life where we can say no matter what's going on around us, it is well with my soul, I want you to think about a common question that we often ask each other. Here's the question. How are you? Like when somebody asks you that question, what's the answer that you most often hear or what's one of the ways that you most often respond? I bet it's some version of this. I'm good, just very busy. I mean, I would bet that's one of the top answers that you get and probably one of the answers that you give the most. I'm good, just very busy. But like a camel, we don't know really if we're good. Think about it. How did you show up here today? Did, did you walk in rested and energized and relaxed? Or did you walk in exhausted, stressed, anxious, rushed, on edge, did you walk in thinking, man, I can't wait for church to be over. I got so many things to get done today. I don't need to hear Paul talk again for 30 minutes this week. <laughs> Let us just take it another step. When was the last time that you had an entire day with nothing to do on your schedule? Like, when's the last time you sat down with your friends, your family to enjoy a meal, and there was just this unhurried conversation? Well, when was the last time that happened? Or when was the last time you thought, man, 
I don't know what to do with all of my spare time. Some of you are sitting there going, spare time? Like, most everybody that I know, they feel like that they've got so much more to do than they can get done in a 60, 168 hours. In other words, 168 hours in a week is just not enough time. I mean, haven't you heard somebody say at least this week or a week before, oh man, we need eight hours this, or eight days this week, right? See, for most of us, we've just begun to assume that this is the pace of life. It is the normal pace of life, that we never have enough time to get all things done. But I want to suggest... It's not normal, and it's not healthy. See, all that kind of pace of life, all this is doing to us is creating people and families and communities who are worn out, who are anxious, they're stressed out, and angry. Angry. See, the more depleted you become in your soul, the angrier you get. The more depleted you become in your soul, the more cynical you get. And here's what I know, worn out, anxious, stressed out, and angry, it leaves us empty and numb in our soul. It leaves us cynical in our soul. Not only that, when our soul becomes empty, our mind gets filled with this fog of blankness. See, a lot of us, we go, oh, I just can't remember everything since COVID. No, sometimes you can't remember anything and you got this blankness in your mind because your soul is depleted and your pace is faster than your mind being depleted and your soul being depleted can keep up with. And so we assume that the problem that's causing the numbness in our soul is, well, I had COVID at some point in time or, you know, I just got this blankness in my mind or we assume also that or we say something like this, I'm just tired. So we assume that we need a break, we need to get away, but as we've said throughout these last three weeks, it's like, that's not our deepest problem. You can fix tired with a nap, with a little bit of a refresher. See, our problem is much worse than tired. We are empty. Our soul is empty. Our reserves are depleted spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And here's what I can tell you. No amount of isolation or no amount of destination will replenish an empty soul or bring life back to a blank brain. The only one who can fill our soul and bring creative creativity back to our mind is the one who created your soul and created your mind. And that's why Jesus' invitation, as we've looked at each week, for all of us who are weary and burdened, and if you live in this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulations, so you are going to feel weary and you're going to feel burdened. He invites you to take his joke on you, which is his teaching, and learn from him. In fact, let's look at it again from the message paraphrase. Here's what Jesus says. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly even in the middle of the trials and tribulations of life. See, this is what it means to follow Jesus, to come to him, get away with him, walk with him, watch how he does it, 
Learn the unforced rhythms of grace as you keep company with him. See, that's what it means to take Jesus' yoke on you and learn from him. This is literally just Jesus' invitation, as we said each week, to follow him. He's inviting you to come to him and adopt his lifestyle, his way of life. So follow him. It means that you organize your life around three primary goals or three primary focuses in your life. And that is, I just need to be with Jesus. I have to spend time with Jesus every day getting to know him and understand his way of life. And here's the thing. If you don't have a consistent pause time with Jesus, moments to be with Jesus in the morning and in the evening, and I would even encourage you sometime during your lunch hour to pull away 10, 15 minutes to be with Jesus. If you don't know how to do that, I would encourage you to go to engage. In fact, go start next Sunday again when we kick off week one of it. Because in week two, uh, step two of Engage, we teach you how to be with Jesus. How to hear from Jesus every day. Because see, being with Jesus, it is essential. Otherwise, you wake up one day and you are just empty in your soul. And you think it's all the life circumstances and situations that you're dealing with. When it's really... I just have a pause to let the creator of my soul feel my soul. It's why Jesus says, come to me, learn from me, and you will find rest from your soul, that, for your soul. That's the precondition to finding rest for your soul. He says, come to me, walk with me, watch how I do this. And then as you do that, as you develop that habit, then you will find rest for your soul. So I, be, I make sure that I'm being with Jesus and then I become like Jesus. And I become with Jesus because I've been with Jesus. See, the more you're with him, the more you'll think like he thinks and you'll value what he values until you have the heart and the mind of Christ. Remember what his heart and mind was? We looked at it in week one. He is gentle and humble in heart. And I just want to say, until we have spent so much time with Jesus that we are gentle and humble in heart, what we will do is we'll continue to seek for the perfection and the fulfillment of Eden from the madness of modern life. You'll never find rest for your soul until you begin this process and this pattern. And I become like Jesus because here's the thing, the more I'm like him, then here's what I do. I will do what Jesus would do if he were me out of the unforced rhythms of grace that I've learned from him. So I start living like Jesus would live if he were in my shoes because I've adopted his values, his life cycle. My heart is like his heart because I spent so much time in the deep inner man letting him heal my soul and restore my soul and fill my soul. Not forcing it, but out of being with him. And then I learn his values as I learn from him. And the promise Jesus gives that if we learn to do this, if we let it flow from being with Jesus until I start becoming like Jesus and then do what Jesus would do, he says, we'll find rest for our souls. But it requires this habit or this spiritual discipline and pattern in our lives. Now, let me just say this. And this is why this talk at the end of this series is so important. Rest for our souls cannot come to our souls at the current pace of most people's lives. Don't miss what I just said there. 
Rest for our souls can't come at the current pace of most of our lives. See, some of you may not be busy at work, but you're busy with media. Your, your life is so distracted and consumed with media. You would be embarrassed to show people how much time, if you pulled up that timer thing that shows you all what you did on your phone, how much time you spent on media. See, we have to be willing to do life at the pace that Jesus would do life if he were us. So I do what Jesus would do if he were you out of an unforced rhythm of grace. So what I have to be willing to do is I've got to be willing to change my pace because Jesus taught that the greatest enemy to taking our life back, to finding life and reserve in our soul for life to be good again is not by getting control of what is happening around you by, by focusing on what is going on inside of you at the deeper soul level of your being. And here's what I know, more and more experts, if you read and you do any research on this, they're weighing in and they're saying the speed and the pace of our life, it is out of control and it is dangerous. And, and it is just, it's so dangerous to us internally not just externally, we feel the tiredness on the outside, but we don't understand how dangerous it is to us internally. As a matter of fact, they have labeled this epidemic that is happening in our modern, the madness of our modern world, they're labeling it hurry sickness. So I'm just going to give you a few definitions of hurry sickness. And, and you can um, self-diagnose whether you have contracted this sickness or not. One definition is this, a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. Does that sound familiar to some of your lives? You just, every day, you just have this sense of anxiousness and, and this sense of urgency, even though there's nobody holding a gun to your head, you just feel that. Or another definition says, a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and gets flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Now, I know you're so spiritual, all of our campuses, that this doesn't apply to any of you. But you're always patient whenever there's a delay, right? Not. You're the one blowing the horn. You know, trying to cut in front of somebody so you can get to the checkout faster. You know, it's like, isn't that us, right? I mean, the truth coming out of this pandemic is that we have seen an increase in delays. And those delays have revealed the truth about most of us that we have this thing called hurry sickness. Or how about one more definition? A continuous struggle an unremitting tent to accomplish more and more things, to participate in more and more events in less and less time. Still trying to figure out if this is you? Here, here are a few symptoms offered up in the book, The Time Cure. Did you ever find yourself moving from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter or faster? Counting the cars in front of you and either getting in the lane that has the fewest or is going the fastest in your mind. Multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks. <laughs> Accidentally putting your clothes on inside out or backward. 
Some of you that happened to this morning, right? No. See, that's hurry sickness. And here's the thing, when hurry sickness catches you, or when you catch it, I should say, it violently attacks your soul. It empties and numbs your soul. And here's the thing, when you are empty in, our, in your soul, you just have this fog of blankness in your mind. And research is very clear that whenever we face challenges or whenever we face difficulties in our life, because of this fog of blankness in our mind, we're often more likely to produce lower quality work or fail altogether. And we're more likely to sense this greater sense of frustration about people and events. And we're more likely to feel less sense of fulfillment in life. See, the truth is when we're empty, the brain area in charge of self-control, it experiences this slowdown. So we have less self-control and we have less ability to process what's going on. So the question is, why do we live this way? What's driving our hurry? I mean, after all, when we talk about it, we say we don't like being so busy. We, we dream about when life will slow down. We say that we miss having dinner with the family around the table or, or an unscheduled day to just relax and do what we enjoy. So what would be driving us to do something that most of us say we don't want to do, that we wish we didn't have to live that way? Well, Dallas Willard, he wrote about this, and he says it's one of three things. You might want to write these down. He says, hurry is a state of frantic effort one falls into in response to inadequacy, fear, or guilt. Hurry is a state of frantic effort one falls into in response to one of these three emotional states in which we live. The first one, inadequacy. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I measure up. So I'm gonna do more and I'm gonna do more and I'm gonna achieve more. I'm gonna get another degree. No, it doesn't even gonna matter. It's not gonna make any difference. But I'm just gonna do this here. I'm gonna get another job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove, I'm gonna work out more. I'm gonna show people I can run faster. I can do more. So they'll see me as more than I feel like I am. If you, if you live with an imposter syndrome that if people really saw who I was, they wouldn't appreciate me or value me, then you're probably living with this emotion of feeling of inadequate. And it can drive that hurry thing. Or how about fear? Oh, I just can't say no to anything because I'm afraid I'm gonna miss out. FOMO, right? Or I'm afraid that my kids will miss out. Or I'm afraid that I won't be seen as successful in life if I say no. I'm afraid I won't be a good parent if I prevent my kids from participating in another activity or all the activities other parents are. It's this fear. What are other people going to think about me? Or he says guilt. I've messed up so many times. So I got to make up for it. I got to say yes. Because I feel guilty whenever I say no. I feel like I'm letting people down whenever I say no. Or I feel guilty not stepping in and helping this time. Or I feel guilty not letting my kids do everything that my friends let their kids do. So hurry is a state of frantic effort one falls into in response to inadequacy, fear, or guilt. Now here's the good news. The life that Jesus invites us into, Jesus' way of life, is never a life that is marked by inadequacy, fear, or guilt. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus, he promised that when you come to him and you learn to live at his pace in the unforced rhythms of grace, all three of these will disappear. And that's why you can find rest for your soul. See, the Apostle Paul, he explained this to first century followers of Jesus in the region of Galatia. He said it this way. Notice how he says, if you want to follow along your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, he begins in verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Don't miss this. If the way that following Jesus is to you doesn't feel like freedom from inadequacy, fear, and guilt. Let me say that again. If the way of following Jesus, the way that you're following Jesus doesn't free you up from inadequacy, fear, and guilt, you're not following Jesus. You're following some rules. You're following some rituals. You're following some lifelong attachments that you've made, but not Jesus. See, Jesus' way of life, the Apostle Paul, he says it frees us from this frantic pace of life that is driven by inadequacy, fear, and guilt. Now, don't miss this. This freedom that we have in Christ, it's not the freedom where you can do whatever you want, when you want, with whom you want, however you want. No, the Apostle Paul says it frees you from the bondage of all these unhealthy emotions, but it does not free you from boundaries. There are boundaries to this freedom. Notice the last part of verse 13. He says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. And then he goes on to say, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So as we said last week, the distinguishing mark of a follower of Jesus is our love for other people. Remember, as we said last week, we said the true test of loving Jesus or following Jesus is not loving Jesus, it's loving Judas. It's loving all the people around us as Jesus loved us. It's being able to know this person betrayed me in this, or is going to betray me tonight, but in this moment, that doesn't matter. I will still love him as I love everybody else. Not taking me five months, 10 months, 15 months, and I understand we have to work through grief and those kind of things. I'm not minimizing that at all. But it's being able to learn this unforced rhythm of grace. But here's what we miss. Hurry and love are incompatible. Hurry and love are incompatible. They, they never can mix. Hurry and love can't, are incompatible because love is time consuming, isn't it? Love requires sacrifice. Love requires slowing down. You can't love in a hurry. You can't love when your rhythm of life is out of sync with Jesus. I mean, if you stop and think about it, you have never been loving when you were in a hurry. You in the parking lot yesterday when you're honking on your horn? You weren't loving when you were in a hurry. When you got to that red light yesterday and you were blowing at the person because they had a honk a second of pause before they took off? You weren't being loving. See, you've never been loving when you were in a hurry, when you were rushing around this morning because you decided you were going to sleep an extra 30 minutes and then everybody in the house had to get to your pace because you were late. I promise you, you weren't loving. Now, here's what I know. You've been angry. You've been irritable. You've been impatient when you were in a hurry, but you've never been loving when you were in a hurry. 
So don't miss this. It's impossible to follow Jesus when you're always in a hurry. Let me just say that one more time. It's impossible to follow Jesus when you're always in a hurry. See, this is why the Apostle Paul gives the following advice to the Galatians. Move down to verse 16. Here's what he says. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Everybody underline this phrase. Circle this word. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, unless you're a psycho runner, nobody talks about running with God. It doesn't happen because God doesn't run in our relationship with him. We are invited to walk with God all throughout scripture. It's about walking with God. You have to walk with God. If you're to become like Jesus and do what Jesus would do if he were you, then you've got to learn to live his pace of walking in the unforced rhythms of grace. To which all of us think, I just got way too much to do to slow down. I mean, 168 hours in a week is not enough in this week to complete everything that I have to do. Well, look at the life of Jesus. And you'll discover that Jesus was never in a hurry. And he changed the world. I mean, maybe our approach to life of being in a hurry isn't as productive as we think. In fact, one of the myths that many of us buy into and be deceived by is the myth of multitasking. I, we, I hear people say all the time, I'm just so much better at multitasking. I can get so much more done when I'm multitasking. You know, the research is in that only about 2% of the population is better at life when they're multitasking. For the rest of us, when we start multitasking, it reduces our productivity by 40%. So what if it is true that we have just enough time to do God's will for our life? See, if we're running out of time, and this just hit me, I mean, years ago, I was trying to get this, my act together about five or six years ago, just going, God, there's something wrong with my soul. It just hit me, if we're running out of time, this might mean that we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing with our life. See, Jesus invites us to walk with him to come learn from him. I mean, look, look at this again from the message paraphrase. Look at the statements. Look at this. Come to me. Get away with me. I'll show you. I'll show you how to really get rest. See, when you're training someone, when you're, when you're teaching someone, you, you can't do that in a hurry. Don't, don't you hate it for those of you that are kind of older like me and you want somebody to show you something on a computer and, and they're the, like this computer genius and they grew up with a computer when they were born. It came out in their hand when they were born because they're only like 20-something, you know. And they said, oh, you can do that right here. You go, and you go, what'd you used to do? I mean, we do, you can't show somebody something in a hurry. And Jesus says, come to me, get away with me. Let me show you. Walk with me. Work with me. 
Just pause and, and watch how I do it. Stand back and watch me at work. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Um, keep company with me. See, Jesus' invitation throughout this whole series has been setting you up for this statement here. It reminds us that a change of pace will take you to a better place in your relationship with Jesus, yourself, and others. See, when you learn to walk with the Spirit, when you learn to walk beside the Spirit, as the Apostle Paul said in verse 16, it produces something very different. It looks very different than this hurried sickness and this busyness that's around us that describes most of our lives. See, the Apostle Paul says, listen, when you walk by the Spirit, when you stay in rhythm with the Spirit, when Jesus' way of life becomes the unforced rhythms of your life, he says, here's the place that Jesus will take you to. Notice verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of walking, staying in pace with the Spirit of God is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, when you start walking with the Spirit, you start looking less busy and you start looking a lot more like this. But as long as you let hurry dominate your time, your schedule, and your life, I can promise you that very few of these qualities will be part of your life as an unforced rhythm of grace. And I can tell you that as a pastor who's experienced that. For years having to force these as a pastor because I was such a hurry versus learning over these last years, I was saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going to walk with you. Because as we said, hurry and love, they're incompatible. Think about this. Hurry never adds to joy in your life. What, what, is, what does hurry do to joy in your life? Hurry steals the joy from your life, doesn't it? Like, hurry never produces peace. What does hurry do? It robs you of peace and increases your anxiety. See, hurry robs you of being able to see the good in the moment. Hurry robs you of being grateful in the moment. Hurry robs you of patience. It robs you of kindness. It robs you of gentleness with the people around you. Listen, these qualities as unforced rhythms of grace in your life, they only happen at one pace. They have their own pace, and it is the pace of the Spirit of God. It is the pace of walking with Jesus. It is the pace of walking in the unforced rhythms of grace of Jesus. So the fruit of the Spirit of God in and through you, it's not produced when there's all this urgency, hurry, and busyness. It won't happen. See, you'll never be able to take your life back. Your life will never be good again until Jesus' pace of life, when it comes to spending time with him. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a lot to do at your job, those kind of things. No, it's about the pace of your life with him. So your life's never going to be good again 
You'll never take your life back until Jesus' way of life becomes the rhythm and the pace of your soul. Don't miss that. Until Jesus' way of life becomes the rhythm and the pace of your soul. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I hope this question leads you to change your pace this week in your soul. It's a question I pray that you're going to say, Jesus, I choose to walk with you. I choose to walk by your spirit. I choose to slow down to the pace of the spirit of Jesus who lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Here it is. How much of what you're currently doing is leading you to the deeper life Jesus invites you into? How much of what you're currently doing is inviting you and leading you into the deeper life that Jesus invites you to experience in him? I mean, yeah, you're doing a lot of good things, but, but are they robbing you of the deepest things? See, as John Eldry says, <clears throat> the good things keep us in the shallow lands or the midlands, but they keep us from the deeper land. So what good things rob you of time together with Jesus in the morning and in the evening? What is robbing you of having time with Jesus? What is more important in your life? So what's robbing you of time with Jesus in order to deepen your relationship with him? Well, what are the good things that are robbing you of time with your spouse and your family in order to deepen your relationship with them? Or what good things are robbing you of the margin that you need in your life to have this unforced rhythm of love and peace and patience and gentleness? What are, what are the good things that are distracting you from being with Jesus, slowing the pace of your soul so you can be with him? I love how John Eldry talks about it. He says, you got to create these benevolent detachment times where you benevolently detach from the rest of the world. I, I'm even going through that in my own world is I'm, <clears throat> I'm doing less breakfasts in the morning with people because I need more time for my soul. I'm a lot better with people when I have spent time with Jesus longer. And I'm figuring the older I get and the greater the leadership responsibility of leading more and more pastors and, and making sure, I got to make sure I have more time in my soul. And I'm just going to tell you, people won't understand that. When you go, hey, I, I, I don't have time for breakfast or lunch. I don't have time for dinner or whatever certain times, but I can do it here, but I can't do it here. People won't always understand that, especially when you're a pastor. Something happened about when I crossed that 55-yard year line, it's just like, man, Jesus, I got to have you. You know? So my thing to you is, what, what are the good things in your life that are keeping you from deepening your relationship with Jesus? Or parents, can I ask you this? What are the good things in your life that are keeping you from deepening your relationship with your kids? What are the good things in your life? Maybe it's too many weekend activities with your kids that are keeping them from deepening their relationship with Jesus. 
listen, if you want to take your life back, you can either run at the pace of the madness of the modern world, which you will never get your life back, and you can try all you want to, or you can walk with Jesus. Listen, if you want life to be good again, change of pace will lead you to a deeper place with Jesus, yourself, and others. But you got to fight. I'm telling you, you have to fight to say no to the good things. You got to fight to keep the best things. Remember the story, Mary and Martha? Martha's busy around the house. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha comes to Jesus. Jesus, make this woman get to work. Jesus says, no. Mary's chosen that which is good. And every time I have to say no, and you're going to have to do this, it, 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 it hurts me. It hurts me to have to say no to a person. I can't meet with you today, all right? I can't meet with you, you know, this week. I'll have to prove it the next week. Now, if there's a 911 situation, I'll try to help somebody, but because I keep flat tire in my schedule, time in my schedule, you need to do that as well. <clears throat> but I have to remind myself, have I chosen the best thing? Am I chosen the best thing? Is what I'm choosing now going to take me past the shallow land, past the middle land, to the deeper land where Jesus dwells? Listen. You got to trust walking with Jesus will take you farther than running at the pace of the madness of the modern world. You got to trust that walking with Jesus will help you have a greater impact in people's lives than trying to make sure you have time 24-7 to be with people all the time. So you got to trust that being with Jesus will take you further than running on your own. And I'm just telling you, accepting Jesus' invitation to follow him, it's going to be so jarring for so many of you. It's going to drastically cause you to change your life because you're going to figure out how to put benevolent attachment, detachment time in your life where you pause to be with Jesus in the morning, where you pause around your lunchtime, where you pause in the evening so that you're walking and you keep slowing your soul to the pace of Jesus. So will you accept Jesus' invitation to follow? Will you order your life around the pace and the priorities of Jesus? Will you say no to those things that just try to own your time and run you ragged? They're good, but they're not the best. Will you spend your time focusing on loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Will you spend less time chasing the madness of the modern world in order to find the fulfillment and the perfection of Eden? And I'm just going to tell you, it's why developing the discipline of weekly church attendance and weekly involvement in a small group, I'm telling you, it's why it's such an important habit, because they are habits that help you to keep check on the pace in your soul. In fact, if you haven't signed up for a small group, there was a card when you came in. I encourage you to make that a priority. Because to walk with Jesus, you have to develop habits that lead you past the shallow land, past the midland, to the deeper land where Jesus dwells. And you need those pause moments that remind you, check the pace of your soul. Now, here's what I know. Shifting your life to walk with Jesus, it's going to require a total surrender of all of who you are, all of your hopes and dreams. You got to lay all of them out. Jesus, take them all. You fulfill the ones you want to fulfill, and I'm going to quit chasing them, and I'm going to start chasing you. 
And here's what I promise you. When you quit chasing hopes and dreams and trying to figure out which hopes and dreams are from Jesus and you start chasing Jesus, you will never go back to chasing the madness of modern life again. Because I can promise you from personal experience, walking with Jesus beats running at your own pace on your own every day. The Apostle Paul, he said, you stay in step with the Spirit and you'll find out it will make your life better and it'll make you better at life. So here's what you gotta do. You gotta say, Jesus, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna be with you. And then I'm gonna allow as I'm being with you, become like you. I'm gonna own your values. I'm gonna make them part of my life so I can do what you would do if you were in my shoes out of this unforced rhythm of grace. And folks, I'm telling you, there are habits. There are habits that you have to develop in your life if you're gonna experience this. Now, you'll take your life back. You want life to be good again? Changing your pace. Changing the pace of your soul. And learning Jesus' unforced rhythms of grace. It is the only way to be able to say in the middle of the chaos and confusion around us, it is well with my soul. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity to just be reminded from the words of our King, our redeeming Savior, our loving leader, but there's an invitation to us. There's an invitation to enter into a relationship, a soul relationship that will take us further than any of us ever imagined while giving us greater rest than we ever believed we could have. I pray that you help us remember this week when we are tempted to get back in that frantic hurry to check our emotions. Is it inadequacy? Is it fear? Is it guilt? What is driving me here? And then help us to remember what the Apostle Paul challenged all of us to do, to walk by the Spirit because this fruit of the Spirit has only one pace, God, we want this. So we need your Holy Spirit's power to help us fight for this because it's so worth it. God, I thank you for how you're gonna radically change our lives as we radically change some of our habits. So that we're able to benevolently detach in the morning, even maybe in the midday, in the evening, and realign our soul with your pace. God, we need that, and we need your help to do that. Lord, we need you. Oh, how we need you. Every hour, we need you. So we are asking you to bless us now, our Savior. 
so we can say it is well with our soul because you're guiding and you're leading it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us through this series. Um, Next week, we're gonna start a brand new series and it's going to take us to another level of our soul. You had a card on the seat when you came in today and that's the title of the series, You Drive Me Crazy. I'm not saying y'all drive me crazy. I'm saying that's the title of the series. So make sure you bring a friend, family member, and we will see you next week. Have a great Sunday.